And the nominees are, or at least who we nominated. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. The end of the season means the annual year-end awards. There are six categories, and Danny and I say who we voted for. Official results are due out next week, so this is more of a discussion. Also up for discussion, the NFL playoffs. Who do we see surviving the divisional round? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 720, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. First things first, Danny, a wellness check. How is the family in Texas doing, considering you and I have not spoken since something happened over the weekend I wouldn't say the biggest surprise of Super Wildcard Weekend, but maybe based off this team's history in the playoffs, maybe the most expected of Super Wildcard Weekend. I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys going one and done. I had to talk my dad off a ledge as a <laughs> lifelong Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, the typical had high hopes for how they had played, despite the fact that the Cowboys have a hard time finding success in the playoffs on a consistent basis and all the usual stuff you'd expect that I'm having to, you know, tamper him down a little bit. Uh, I did get a text from my brother-in-law almost immediately saying, Bird Gang for life. He says that he is done with the Cowboys, which my family does a nice job of cheering for both organizations to begin with. But they were saying they are full-fledged Cardinals fans now. I'm sure that will change by the time the 2024 season kicks off. But I appreciate you asking, Craig. Well, I know the Sarek family are big listeners to Cardinals <laughs> Cover 2 and the entire Arizona Cardinals podcast stream. So we just want to make sure that everyone is okay. No one is on head coach watch, perhaps, depending on, heck, by the time many people listen to this episode here as we record on Wednesday, maybe a decision has already been made. Who knows? It's pretty crazy. I mean, look, the the coverage with the Cowboys, similar to the Eagles, those types of fan bases is so different. Same with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. The fact that before kickoff, Mike McCarthy's job was quote-unquote up in the air if he didn't win is is pretty crazy. I will say, you know, owner Jerry Jones and his son Stephen Jones, they have uh, a radio show they go on every every week on Mondays, and that ends when the season ends. So it's not totally crazy that the two of them did not go on the radio show following that Cowboys loss, so that was a bit of a surprise. You don't have to be a former employee to know how much that organization values publicity. Uh, but what do you think if they were going to move on from McCarthy that – it would have been done by now. Now that it's been a couple of days, you typically don't let something like that linger. I would say 48, 72 hours is typically the window, sometimes even sooner than that. But I would think by the end of this week slash weekend, if you're the Cowboys and that coaching staff, you should know. You, you should be pretty set moving forward because – Things happen fast in the offseason. Yeah, there are no games, but you've got the Senior Bowl coming up. There's a scouting combine, then free agency, then the draft. So you can't wait around in the National Football League. Yeah, so we'll see. I remember when I was there when Jason Garrett was let go, it was pretty fast. So I'm kind of 
on the train of it looks like Mike McCarthy is going to continue coaching the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see. Well, here's the good news. And I know your nephew is already a step ahead of everyone else (laughs) in your family is this opens up the door for a brand new fan base in the state of Texas to jump on the Arizona Cardinals Absolutely. bandwagon. Because now was the time you want to jump on board. <laughs> when you're 4-13 and 13 with a franchise quarterback moving forward, now is the time to be a part of this train moving in the right direction. And 11 draft picks. That's right. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a bummer. They can't get a lot of games. It, my mom does get very excited uh, when our games are on TV out there. I remember... Uh, when we played the Eagles, that that game was, they were able to watch it back home, and I get pictures of like, it's it's hard to keep up on a game day with everything going on of like people texting you, which is <laughs> I don't mind that people do that, right? It just takes me time to get you know time to respond, and I have the time to look, and I've got a text from my mom, and she's wearing her Cardinals like winter bomber jacket on the couch watching the game, and I get a picture from my older sister, and it's. My sister, my brother-in-law, my nephew all wearing their Cardinals gear, but they're the only three in the house. So they set up a phone to take a self-timer photo showing me that they were wearing their Cardinals gear. And I'm getting all these pictures. It was just, it was funny and and very sweet to see the support that they were watching the game and wearing Cardinals gear. Here's a question because this is yet to happen to me, but I can see it, especially if you have aunts, uncles, grandparents. But if you're working in a press box, do people, when there's that scan, that big picture scan, where are you, Danny? Where do you watch the game from? I tried to look. I couldn't find you. Are yes. you even on the where yes. are you on the box on the sideline? It's a lot of people saying, I was looking for you on the TV and I have to explain one, if you're watching our games, that's a national broadcast. So even if I'm working, I'm not gonna show up on your TV unless I'm on the sideline, which is rare during a game. And then also a lot of times if people are using my tickets, I go down and say hi pregame or halftime. They're like, where are you sitting? And I have to point up where the glass is and where we're sitting. Yes. Well, here's the thing. If you are out working the sidelines, you don't want to be noticed like our colleague Paul Calvisi, who was noticed earlier this season when it was Rondell Moore. Moore. (laughs) Of all players, that's the best player to be hit by. Almost ran him over, caught himself, and fortunately enough for Calvisi, (laughs) didn't suffer any damage at least to my knowledge we had a good fun with it because it did make it on the tv and of course everyone blew it up i believe kava and Bosch even had it as his oh, as gosh. his uh put it on his uh That's phone cool. as his home screen for a while so we put he brought it in on Tuesday before the Red Sea report that week and said, Paul, look what I did. So, yeah. That, that's, that's cruel. Yeah. I was thinking about Paul and all sideline reporters oh, yeah. looking at the weather of these games. Oof, brutal. Now, here's the thing. As I told Paul on Saturday when I texted him, I think it was a live shot of what was currently what would have been kickoff of Sunday's game. But because of the blizzard conditions, they moved everything to Monday. But at that time, there was wind and snow and you couldn't see anything you know 10 15 feet in front of you but I reminded Paul the Cardinals do visit the Buffalo Bills next season and to pray that there is not a December visit that you get September or October when that schedule comes out in May and Green Bay that's right Minnesota will be okay because that's indoors right yeah, it'll be interesting. The, those are really the only two. We, You know what, though? We really lucked out with weather this year with where we were going, especially in the month of December. So 
hopefully that luck carries over into 2024. I know Paul also has his eye on the Dolphins trip just because you don't know what it's going to be like in Miami as far as humidity, ba- humidity and how that stadium is situated with the sun beating down on the visiting sideline and the home team in the shade. So yeah, these are things that Paul deals with that you have to be wary of in case you know you get that tap on the shoulder and say, right. hey, who knows? Next man up, Danny, you're it. That's true. Hey, I would gladly fill in if I needed to for Paul. We always fill in when necessary here. And we move on here talking about the Arizona Cardinals in 2023. It is award season. You big watcher of the Emmys, the uh, Golden Globes, the Oscars are coming no, up. People's I'll like Choice. Have them, I'll have them on in the background, right? I. It's so interesting. I like movies I like going to the movies I'm so bad about seeing movies so for me it's a lot of like I see the nominations and I'm like I don't know who that is I don't know what that movie is <laughs> but it's still fun right it's I'm gonna get off topic here in a little bit but you did say something that made me think there is it has been rare in which the Oscar nominations and there can be what five six seven different films and in, on a good year a good year I will have seen one of the nominated movies. I feel like I don't even picture. hear of most of them. I'm like, did these even hit the theaters? If it's not a blockbuster, if it didn't gross $100 million, then I probably didn't see it. Man, I miss blockbuster. Okay, let's get to awards. Wow, you are... I'm old enough to know what blockbuster was. Blockbuster I can see video. The on your face. Oh, it was like, ele- like, I mean, by the time I was finished elementary school, they were all probably closed. But I used to love Friday nights having a friend sleep over and there was one down the street and my dad would take my sisters and our friends, whoever was sleeping over, we go to Blockbuster and we would all get one movie. Like me and my friend would get one movie to select, my sister and her friends, like and then it was like me it was a big deal if you could get like candy or popcorn or something, right? <laughs> if we like didn't have it at home. But yeah, it was a huge deal to get those movies. Forty eight hour rental. Yep. You be, had to rewind be it. Be kind, right? rewind. Yes. Absolutely. I feel better about this conversation. <laughs> you that look way there, too happy to there know there that There are so I... <laughs> many people out there listening right now that have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, man. I just aged myself, unfortunately. That's wonderful. I'm still younger than you, though, Craig. That is Let's true. get into the awards. Young at heart. All right. We do this each and every year amongst ourselves here in the content and creative department. There's about 30, 35 of us that do year-end awards. Now, We're just going to kind of go over who we selected and some of the potential other nominees. The official results will be posted next week on azcardinals.com. So this is just more of a discussion. But there are six awards. MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, and that can be a first-year player or a free agent, Beyond the Box Score Player of the Year, someone that stood out but doesn't have maybe the stats – like an Aaron Brewer or someone like that, or if you want to highlight someone who you thought, like a Buda Baker, didn't have a ton of stats, but his impact on the field, maybe even off the field, needs to be mentioned. And then play of the year. So six categories. Danny, what do you want to go? What do you want to start with first as far as do we leave MVP for last? Is there a controversial topic, an award, or a selection of yours? Let's, let's leave MVP for last. You want to start with okay. Offensive Player of the Year? Offensive Player of the Year. This, I think, <laughs> put it this way. Here's I feel like there were a, a good amount of options, but it was like the same few players to rotate. So I feel like we're probably going to have very similar answers for every I category. I would hope that Offensive Player of the Year is darn near unanimous. 
oh, now I'm nervous. Because here's the thing is I could have gone the easy route and I don't think I did now. Okay, let me, all right. <laughs> let me say this too, because I do have a qualifier. I try my hardest to make sure I'm not naming a player in multiple categories. Yes. Okay. Then we will have the same player we're thinking of in, in a different category. Okay. Because I, I think we went different here. Because I don't like, you know, defensive player and MVP. There's, I want to honor different players and not single out the same player, unless one player is just magnificent and does so much. Sorry. Okay. We definitely did different players here. <laughs> so, like walking in. Okay. Offensive player of the year. Tight end Trey McBride. Okay. You went James Conner. I did. Yeah. <laughs> when you were like, it's unanimous. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. Here's here's what I said. Do you want me to read what I wrote? That's probably going to sure, go. Yeah. So uh, if you check out azcardinals.com, not every vote is going to have a reason why. Some of them will. So if mine's not included, this is what I wrote. Man, now that I'm about to read this, I hope that I wrote it grammatically correct. I said We don't check for spelling here on Cardinals okay. Cover 2. I said Trey McBride had a breakout season and cemented his role as the number one tight end for the future. McBride was the team's leading receiver by nearly 300 yards despite coming off the bench for five games. He showed massive, massive improvements in his catching and blocking abilities, becoming nearly impossible to tackle on first contact. McBride's production skyrocketed when Kyler Murray returned to the field, which should excite fans when thinking about how lethal that duo can be with a full season together. Can't disagree with that because now I know who your MVP is. So we're gonna, <laughs> no, you don't. We're going to differ he on... He could be on the box score. <laughs> that's true. We're going to differ on Offensive Player of the Year because, again, I don't like naming the same player for multiple categories. So Offensive Player of the Year, at least for me, based off production, running back James Conner. Love it. Over 1,000 rushing yards, over 1,000 scrimmage yards, plus a team-best seven touchdowns scored not to mention how his teammates on both sides of the ball feed off his energy. Connor had an outstanding season, and he did it in just 13 games. And actually less than 13 because he got hurt early in the game against the Bengals. That's crazy. Can you imagine if he had a full season, what that number would have been? Just incredible. And and this was with a rotating left guard position. And, you know, the end of the season, you were going to your backup left tackle and he was without his franchise quarterback for half the season. Just really incredible. And that's not just on James Conner. That is on the blocking of the tight ends of wide receivers like Michael Wilson and Zach Pascal of this offensive line. It it really does take everybody to hit a number like that. And to think about the way the Cardinals were playing in recent years to now have a thousand yard rusher tells you the times are changing. The one thing this Cardinals offense could do weekly and there were some bumps and some hiccups occasionally but mostly this was a top 10 rushing team the entire season they finished top five number four overall number two as far as rushing yards per play but no matter who the quarterback was who was running the football whoever was playing left guard wide receivers this Cardinals team and I think that's a credit to the offensive staff and the scheme that Drew Petzing brought with him from the Cleveland Browns, they want to run the football, and this is a run-first offense. I also liked when it comes to the run game, you learned about your one-two punch, and it took some time to get there. That was also a revolving door when you think about the running backs we saw of Keontae Ingram, Tony Jones, right? Who else? Who else? Now, Amari DiMarcado. Mar- right, but I'm talking about players now that aren't 
on the roster. But when you get Michael Carter and you're seeing what he can do with James Conner and how he can complement his game, and then you also have a running back like Amari DiMercato where we've seen that you can hand him the ball and he can he can run. He he can get you down downhill, but DiMercato being such a strong blocking running back as well to see Michael Carter supplement James Conner's role so well those last few weeks as more of that agile, twitchy, fast, slippery running back where Conner is more of that bulldozer because of the size difference makes you excited with that running back's room in the future because it really does feel like even though it took some time, which was arguably kind of the point of this season, is to figure out who you have and who you want to build around in the future, that running back's room not only feels cemented, I feel very confident about it. Keonta Ingram, Damian Williams, Rondell Moore was also in the backfield on occasion. But yeah, the number of different ball carriers this team had and the number of ball carriers that were able to gain four, five-plus yards a carry is, again, a credit to the offensive staff and the offensive scheme. So we differ on offensive player of the year. You're going with the tight end. I'm going with the running back, Trey McBride versus James Conner. Again, I get it. I'm not going to that's not it's not a big argument for me and I understand where this conversation is going. <laughs> so let's go with defensive player there which I think you could go with a number of different players whether you're looking at stats or just impact not so much on the stats. I went with defensive player of the year, Safety Buda Baker. Okay. Buda Baker may not have the splash plays or stats that jump off the page but his knowledge, technique and strength cannot be overlooked. Baker's presence alone not only elevates the play of his teammates, it also requires opposing offenses to know where number three is at all times. Can't disagree with that because he didn't have the splash plays. Still earned himself a Pro Bowl bid and going to the Pro Bowl later next month in Orlando. I went with his teammate in the safety room, Jalen Thompson. I love that. He played the most defensive snaps. He played a half dozen different positions. Thompson set career highs in interceptions, passes defense, tackles for loss, and quarterback hits. In addition, he recorded his first career sack and forced fumble. So the impact that JT had showed up in the stat sheet. The impact Buda Baker had didn't. And as Buda likes to say, quarterbacks just don't look his direction. There's a reason for that. Yeah. And you can cut off half the field. Most times when you have someone in the secondary that quarterbacks, I'm going to say fear, but it's, you know what, I'm going to go this other direction because I feel more comfortable throwing to the right side versus the left side because I know Buda Baker's over Manning the left side. Jalen Thompson had a great year. I love giving him his flowers. I absolutely respect that that decision. I appreciate that. Thank you sure very much. Thing. So right now we're 0 of 2 as far as agreeing on things. Right. Okay. Newcomer of the year. Again. I, here's my here's my hunch is that you and I picked the same player. Really? Yes. Okay. I did not go with one of the rookies. I didn't either. Okay. Okay. That's good news. Should we say it at the same time? Sure, why not? Okay, I'll count us down. Three, two, one. Kaiser, Kaiser White. White. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow, I'm good. Okay, here's what I wrote about the linebacker. 
Kaiser White was acquired this offseason with the expectation of running the defense at a high level based on his experience with head coach Jonathan Gannon and defensive coordinator Nick Rollis, and White delivered. From week one, he played with the strength and power this defense needed from a middle linebacker. White called the defense and kept everyone on the same page, and despite missing six games, still finished with impressive numbers, a team-high 90 tackles, two sacks, and a team-high nine tackles for loss. Okay, I promise you, Bird Gang, we did not talk about this ahead of time because I wrote nearly the exact same thing. Signed because his familiarity with the defense. White was an extension of both head coach Jonathan Gannon and defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. White was the quarterback of the defense, and he produced. His 90 tackles led the team despite missing the season's final six games. That's funny. Look at us. I mean, we're on the same page. Yeah. Our football knowledge. I mean, it's just right right there. there. Yeah. Right there. Okay. So one of three. Uh, That's, look, newcomer, Paris Johnson Jr. Absolutely. Starting all 17 games, never missing an offensive snap. So, yeah, you can go with a rookie, but I just, I went with Kaiser because when I hear newcomer, I, I immediately go to like the new players that were brought in. Now, again, you could have gone with a first year player. But I just think what Kaiser did and basically being that coach on the field and helping get the other 10 guys in their right spot, wearing that green dot. And you typically think, well, that was that's Buda Baker's job. Yeah, but this was a this was a new defense and a new cadence as far as what Buda had been used to. So you needed that guy. And thankfully, despite the injury, Kaiser White is under contract for next season. It might have been the most important offseason signing in the free agency that this team had a year ago. I actually almost swapped my newcomer of the year and my beyond the box score player of the year. Almost went newcomer. Okay, so all right. I went with a first year. No, I went with a newcomer for beyond the box score player of the year as well, but I'm not sure if we. That would be impressive if we did. Okay, so my beyond the box score player of the year, center Yelda Froholt. Yep, we're wow. in agreement. Okay, here's what I wrote. Offensive linemen rarely get their flowers, but Yelda Froholt deserves his. Prior to the season, he only had four career starts at center under his belt, but managed to lead a cohesive unit with good communication and good snaps to his quarterback, whoever it was. The success of the run game, i.e. a 1,000-yard season for running back James Conner, is not possible without the blocking of the O-line, and that all starts with your center. Almost the exact same thing that I wrote. But, yeah, I went with Yelda Froholt. Now, to be honest, I almost put in offensive line. I wanted to acknowledge the entire offensive line. I've tried to do that before in the past. And, yes, I got called different names and was told you can't do that. We need one specific player. I've even tried to put, like, two different players. And then at that point, they just pick one over the other to figure out whatever is best for the article that's going to land on azcardinals.com. But I went with Froholt and I wrote, for my money, the offensive line was the most consistent position group of the season. And if the entire O-line can't win this award, then let's single out the player who (laughs) anchored the line. Froholt started every game, missed only a handful of snaps, and he did so having had very little previous game day experience at center. It was very impressive. And here's the thing. With offensive line, you don't notice typically offensive line play unless it is bad. Typically, you don't want to be talked about. More times than not, we were talking about how well that line was blocking and the holes that were there for Connor or for Kyler Murray and, and... the protection 
that was pretty good once Murray came back and and allowing him time to get through his reads. It's just it's impressive. And I think I think back to a little bit of last year and my first year here in 21 with Rodney Hudson, who was hurt and and having to have players step up at center. One of the first things you notice is a bad snap. And in those last two years, there are a handful of times that I can recall a bad snap or miscommunication where the ball is snapped and Kyler Murray wasn't ready or he's under center, and which he wasn't really under center, but the few times of just maybe fumbling the ball, there were just too many times. It wasn't necessarily a lot, but even a few is still too many. And we did not see those. I, off the top of my head, I think there might have been one high snap with Froholt and Murray this year. It's the only player on the field that touches the ball every single snap. And that's the center position. And I think, to your point, bringing up Rodney Hudson, what we've learned, and I think a lot of Cardinal fans have learned over the last several years on how important the center position is, that interior of that offensive line, especially with a shorter quarterback in Kyler Murray, you can't allow those hands in Murray's face he can beat you off the edge and move around in that pocket, but you have to have a pocket for Murray to move around in. And again, that entire offensive line was very, very good this season. And you go back to the questions we had about the offensive line. We knew about DJ Humphreys at left tackle, although there were a segment of fans, and I heard from him as far as, well, maybe he's past his prime. He's not quite the left tackle, the franchise-defining left tackle. Well, I think Humphreys played well and then gets hurt late in the season. We didn't know about left guard. We might not still know about left guard considering the number of different players at that position. Froholt came in. A handful of starts coming into this season. An unknown with John Gaines, who unfortunately landed on IR before the season began, as your backup potential starter later this season. Didn't happen that way. You brought in Pat Elfline who, based off his experience, training camp, I thought he was going to be your week one starter. He got beat, he got hurt, and Froholt came in and performed very, very very well. The right side, Will Hernandez was a known commodity based off what he did a year ago. Paris Johnson playing a new position that he didn't play his senior year at Ohio State, and then just a rookie going in playing that right side, anchoring that side, of the line. So you had question marks darn near every single position along that front. Yet here we are talking about, at least for me, the most pleasant surprise of the season, the offensive line. And then halfway through the season, you get your franchise quarterback who has a very different style than the previous quarterback you had for the first half of the season. It was mostly Josh Dobbs. That's impressive as well. Considering that, yeah, there was hardly any work between center and quarterback because Kyler's rehabbing. He wasn't and even allowed to touch the no, football. No, you, you can't do anything until he's able to practice. And to your point, those and Kyler brought it up, those first three games, four games, he talked about, oh, yeah, this is you know my third preseason game. You know, preseason's over. My season's now starting. And it's week 13. You're like, wait a second, week 14. But that's, that's kind of what happens. And, again, credit to Froholt and Murray to put in some extra time to make sure that center quarterback exchange 
was flawless most of the time this season, and we weren't talking about low snaps or high snaps or bad snaps at all. Right. I feel like we're going to have the same play of the year. Play of the year? Real? Okay, this is... I feel like across azcardinals.com, it's going to be unanimous. Really? Yes, I do. Okay. Play of the year, James Conner, one-handed touchdown grab. Against the Eagles? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, wow. Well, this is after a rough start with <laughs> offensive and defensive player of the year. We've kind of hit a home run here with here newcomer go. of the year beyond the box score. Here's yes, a player of the year. A spectacular play from start to finish. Kyler Murray evades a sack, scrambles, points to the corner of the end zone, and releases the ball under duress ever so slightly ahead of James Conner. With the defender on his left side trailing, Connor extends his right arm and hauls it in one-handed. The touchdown was a thing of beauty, and tying the score and what would be a win over the Eagles in Philadelphia, even better. Wow, we are really on the same page on a lot of this. Are you plagiarizing me? Do I need to look into something here, Craig? (laughs) You are a better writer than I am. Thank you. For starters, let's acknowledge the athleticism of Kyler Murray. He escaped the grass, but Josh Sweat turned his back to the defense, threw off his back foot, and placed the football where only Connor could reach, and Connor did, extending out his right hand to make the catch, bringing the football tight to his chest, all with the defender draped over him. Incredible. <laughs> well, I have a feeling we're going to have different most valuable players. Oh, yes, because huh? I once, once you mentioned Offensive Player of the Year was Trey McBride, I now know that your most you valuable— don't know anything. Oh, I do. In 2023, according to Danny Sarek, and again, she's not wrong, although we can argue here, but her most valuable Cardinal in 2023, James Conner. Absolutely. Here's what I wrote. James Conner had a phenomenal season, reaching 1,000 rushing yards in a single season for the first time in his career despite missing four games. He is a true workhorse who refuses to be denied on first contact. Conner's reliability in the run and pass game kept this offense in games when other aspects struggled. His work ethic, leadership, and team-first mentality make him the most valuable Cardinal on and off the field. You went with Craig Grealou's. Most valuable Cardinal for the 2023 season is quarterback Kyler Murray. Yes. Now. I also thought about that one. Is there some that will disqualify Kyler because he only played in eight games? No, because I thought about that as well. And I think that's pretty telling is when you look at the, I'm not going to ruin what you wrote, but I would assume you said (laughs) something along those lines of, sure, he only played eight games, but look at the difference. And that alone shows why he was most valuable. This is all I wrote for Kyler Murray. Three wins with him, one win without him. It's as simple as that. Ooh, short and sweet. I like it, Craig. But again, as I discussed earlier, I can't give, I don't like giving awards to the same player because you could put, I wanted to make sure Connor was acknowledged, but at the same time, Kyler Murray as well. Now I get Connor is your MVP. Trey McBride as your offense player of the year, and you don't include Kyler Murray in the discussion at all. But I've said several times here on Cardinals Covered 2, the season began in Week 10 when Kyler stepped foot on that football field. Jonathan Gannon doesn't like to hear me say that, but that's just the way this was because your biggest question going into this season was the quarterback position. And to me, that question has been answered moving forward. Absolutely. I I think it was impressive what Kyler did in the eight games that he played in, playing in a new offense with a new offensive coordinator and the nuances he was dealing with and changing his footwork in terms of which foot was leading when he was taking the snap, being under center more. He was under center 30 times in the season finale. 
way more than any other time. I think he hit 20, maybe 25 in one other game prior, but he was starting those first three games back five, eight, ten times under center. Very impressive what he was able to do, and you're right. You could see the difference when Kyler came back and when he didn't. And when parts of the area, parts of the offense were struggling, I'm really thinking about the wide receivers. Those last two games when we started to see that connection come alive a little more, if you didn't have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, I don't even think we would have seen that. His skill set is just that unique and that important to this offense, and I can absolutely understand why he was your most valuable Cardinal. Total yards went up, first downs went up, points went up by almost six points a game with Kyler Murray as your starting quarterback beginning in Week 10. So the offense looked like we hope this offense will look moving forward now with 17 games as opposed to just eight games. Again, provided everyone stays healthy. You add some pieces along the offensive line, some depth, get a wide receiver. We can have that discussion later this offseason. But as far as the main piece, it's K-1. And to me, again, that's why that Week 18 loss, it doesn't bother me as much anymore, but I really wanted, one, to beat the Seahawks, which turned out to be Pete Carroll's final game, which no one knew at the time. But just being 4-4, four and four, a 500 football team going into the offseason with an offense that was lacking a top playmaker as far as the pass catcher is concerned, and a defense that has holes on all three levels. You got some pieces and some nice rotation players, but you don't have a lot of studs on that defensive side. So with very little at his disposal, and yeah, the quarterback gets a lot of the praise and a lot of the criticism, but if we're going to praise him, then yeah, Kyler Murray, the MVP in my eyes of 2023, despite only playing eight games. Do I get MVP of Cardinals cover two guests since there were there You're was a rotation. A You're co-host? not a guest. Co-host, co-host. MVP. Co-host? Well, there were three of us on rotation during the season. Yes, Craig. Sometimes we threw in Darren during the off season. So but four. So four. So MVP of Cardinals cover two is Cody Fincher. <laughs> Great See? save. You like that. Putting his fists up in the air behind the glass. Way to go, Cody. Um, Before we head on out of here, and by the way, the official year-end awards, azcardinals.com, sometime next week. Our colleague Zach Gershman is handling all that. We'll bring him aboard next week. And then he and I I can argue as far as, you know, who got it right and who got it wrong. Um, Danny didn't get any of hers wrong because I totally understand where you went with a lot of your decisions. I'm going to have to make sure I listen next week and see if you're changing your tune when I'm not here. Don't you always listen? Yes. Okay, good answer. See, that's why (laughs) the co-MVP of Cardinals cover two. Ah, promotion. By the way, as we began here talking about the Dallas Cowboys, how about we end not with more Cowboys talk because I'm done with that. And I think I might be done with that just period with respects to you. So it's taken me what? How many years have you been with us? Uh, well, three seasons. Three seasons? Three okay. seasons. So it's two taken and a half me, years. Three so it's seasons. taken me three seasons. Like, I'm not going down that road anymore. Wow, Craig. Thank you. Why? Just tired of it. New Year's resolution. Well, mm. Cowboys aren't on the schedule next season. No, that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, playoffs. Any of these games, Saturday or Sunday, that you're going to keep your eye on? Saturday's doubleheader. Texans 
against the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, I love what the Houston Texans have done this season. It is a tremendous story. It just, it, why couldn't it have been 2022 or 2024 or any other year but 2023? I'm looking forward to that game, not because I want to see Houston lose, because at this point, I don't care. <laughs> Obviously, I care about the draft pick for the Cardinals. But I mean, at this point, the the difference of, 26 to 28 right I mean they just did us no favors but if you're going to be objective it is incredibly impressive what D'Amico Ryans has done with that team what CJ Stroud has done in his rookie year I just I love that he threw five interceptions this year and three of those came (laughs) against the Cardinals it's very impressive I do think that will be an exciting game to see between the Texans and the Ravens yeah that is the first game of the weekend first game on Saturday Houston at Baltimore I just I mean, I could see the Texans winning this game. I mean, the Ravens off Super Bowl, a super wild card weekend, and sometimes they start slow. Yeah, it, it could be. And right now, you got a hot Texans team. But again, selfishly, I, I I need Lamar Jackson to do Lamar Jackson things and beat the Houston Texans. The nightcap on Saturday: Green Bay at San Francisco. And again, you got a hot Packers team coming uh, in on the road. Uh, Not no. Well, does this go back to no, growing up a Cowboys fan? And no, I just think like I just think like the Cowboys just looked bad. I don't know if I'd say like the the Packers looked good enough to compete against the 49ers for a full game. Eh. Okay, that's something we might have to revisit here, Cody. You're marking that right? The uh, conversation here talking about the Packers. Eh. By the way, we'll have to use this <laughs> next season. next season when the Cardinals play at the Packers. Here, I'll give you a good one, Cody. Packers are, eh. That's an easy one for you to clip. That's a good drop there. Uh, All right, Sunday, doubleheader. First game, Buccaneers at the Lions. Ooh, this one I feel, I don't know if I'm going to say like I'm going to cheer for the Lions. I like what they've done. I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities to what is happening in this building right now, culturally. Um I just kind of feel like with Baker Mayfield, he's such a wild card that like he could pull out a win. And I just think it would be not funny, but just like <laughs> kind of crazy to see. So I'm not going to count Tampa out of it. I'm just thinking I saw a tweet earlier where it's like a picture when Baker was on the scout team for the D-line with the Panthers at some <laughs> point this season. And to like be where he is now is just incredible. But that's probably more so on the Panthers than anything. But that one I think will be fun to watch Mayfield has this is his fourth team in two years crazy and the storyline here I think is fascinating I saw this I think it was after the Lions no, it was after the Buccaneers had won on Monday night you've got two former number one overall picks who were discarded by the teams that selected them meeting in the postseason wow that's right I mean that's how quickly things change in the NFL and how not very patient teams are with players whether that's free agents or draft picks I loved post game in the locker room after that win Lions head coach Dan Campbell to give the ball to his quarterback and Jared Goff just saying you're good enough for us here in Detroit I loved it yeah he got the Rams to a Super Bowl just not to a Super Bowl title so they discarded him and brought in Matthew Stafford now it's 
that's going to be a lot of fun, and I think I might be leaning more towards the Lions just because, mm-hmm. well, just they're, the story. Home, they're the story, and then they're home again, and they've waited so long uh, for that, that first fan playoff they, win. That fan they showed, a season eight, ticket member for year old? But 66 yeah. years? Man, win it for him. Absolutely. The final game of the divisional round, Chiefs at the Bills. Third time Mahomes and Josh Allen will be meeting, but the first time in Buffalo, and I did check the weather report. There is snow in the forecast this week, but not on Sunday. This is the first time, with the exception of a Super Bowl, that Patrick Mahomes is playing a playoff game on the road. Yeah, that's amazing. I His think first that road be, playoff Here's game. the thing. That one's only going to be exciting if Josh Allen has a good game. If he has a game where he is off and he's horrible with ball security, like that's, that's going to be boring. You're going to want to turn that off. But I, that does have the potential to be fun. Josh Allen can look like the best player in the league, and then the following week, got to get rid of him. Yes. Find someone else. Yes. You're going to discard him like Sounds the a Lions, like, like the, the Rams Dak did. Prescott yeah. storyline. Yeah, it's right now. What's going on in Dallas? Pretty much. Don't have that problem. Don't have that conversation here with the Arizona Cardinals. They know the direction they are headed in. They have the head coach. They have the quarterback now. It's just trying to find out some little bit more pieces to put around those players and make sure the Cardinals are in the divisional round next season. That should be the goal. Not just super wild card weekend, but get to the divisional round. Get to one of those final eight teams left in the NFL. We saw some good things in terms of being competitive and staying composed with the team this year. So they have their work cut out for them. But if you're able to find those pieces with all the holes you have on this team, really on this defense throughout the draft or through free agency, Cardinals could come to play next year. Let's hope that's the case. Good stuff, Danny. Thank you. You too, Craig. We'll see how too, right Cody. we'll see how right we are when the year-end awards are announced next week. Again, that's on azcardinals.com, and we invite you to uh, submit your own winners in the six categories that we discussed earlier here. But uh, until then, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer Jim Omohundro, our associate producer. The MVP, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.